How many of you are like me? I'm, I'm going to share just a little deficiency in my life. How many of you are like me? Because if you were to ask my kids um, a deficiency in my life, a character flaw in my life, they would definitely tell you, um, I don't like waiting. I, I, I'm impatient. How, can I just, can, is anybody else with me here? Okay, because I don't want to feel like I'm all by myself here, okay? Um, they definitely, they always say this to me, Dad, stop getting so irritated. So, you know, I never knew, actually, I was a really patient person before I had kids, but, you know, <laughs> can I get an amen? Um, so I have to admit, I, I am I am impatient, and it's, I, I can remember thinking back when we you know, younger and the kids are younger, we took them to Disney World. You know, you have to wait five hours in line for a two-minute ride, right? I mean, it was just excruciating until they came up with this idea called the Fast Pass, right? And you can you can go to the front of the line with this certain Fast Pass. So when we, you know, a couple of rides, we did get Fast Pass in and they had this separate line and I would just skip through the through the fast pass line, just say na 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 na. We get to go. No, I didn't do that. But it was it was this fast pass thing was just the most wonderful thing in the world. I, I I think the microwave takes too long. I'm like, man, can't you heat that thing up any faster? Come on, microwave, do your thing. Um, Kathleen and I, if we're at the we're at the checkout, the grocery store, we're always looking down the line to see the 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 quickest. You know, just like what they were saying at the beginning of the video, um, the the fastest, quickest line. I mean, we're we're looking. I'm so we do these hand signals. So I'm like one one person here, she's got two, you know. So we, we can we can jump in and, and get out. It's just just the way just the way we do it. I have I've about I, I I when I run I have all these podcasts I listen to and different speakers and different pastors and so on and so forth. And I have about 24 different uh, podcasts listen, that I listen to. And what I discovered on my podcast is you can actually speed it up. So where they sound like, you know, Elvin and the Chipmunks. So, you know, you can speed up. So I can listen to a podcast like, like twice as fast now and I can get through them a lot, a lot quicker. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking right now, can we do that with Pastor Bard's sermons? Okay. So, so just for thinking that, I'm going to talk twice as slow in this message. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. You know, it, there is this something, there is something about waiting and, 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 and having patience to go through this. Uh, you know, it would be great if we could have kind of this fast pass for our lives where in your restaurant, you can say, I got a fast pass and go to the front of the line if you have to wait, or you're stuck in traffic and you say, I got a fast pass and you can go right to the, the front of, of, of what traffic that is. Let's be honest. Living here in America, we are conditioned to have things done yesterday. I mean, we let's let's be honest here. Um, we all struggle at times with waiting. Why? Because because we're conditioned that way where we live now. And, he, and let me just give you some examples of of why I believe we're conditioned this way um, to struggle with waiting and be impatient in in. Uh, the waiting. How, how many of you? I've got. I've got uh, this logo. How many you know what this logo is? Raise your hand if you know what that logo is. Okay, my wife just started. Her heart started to just race when she saw that. Okay, so everyone know that's Amazon, right? Now here's the thing about Amazon. Amazon is just you're one click away from whatever you want. And if you've got Amazon Prime, guess what? You can get stuff shipped for free, and many times 
That package is going to show up in a couple of days, right? This is, this is, how many of you love Amazon? Admit it. Yeah, you, you, you. My wife loves Amazon. She, we, we love Amazon, right? It, it's, it's, we, 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 FedEx brings your stuff. Federal Express. We, we, we can buy our gas at Speedway, right? Everything. And, and we, you can buy a swimsuit called Speedo. Now, Let me put a huge asterisk by the Speedo thing, okay? If you are a man, do us all a favor and never, ever buy a Speedo. Unless, yeah, yeah, there's the amen. (laughs) I see all the women going, amen. Um, Unless you're Michael Phelps and you're going to the Olympics, okay? That, that then then it's it, it, it's okay. Um, some years ago, we were on the beach in Florida. Our kids were a lot younger, and uh, there's this older man, not in shape. Okay, he didn't have a, a six pack. He just had a keg. It was just there. It was just <laughs> boom. Okay, and uh, he's walking around in speedo. Now I think he was European because he was wearing Birkenstocks with black socks. So I, I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a little pass there, okay? But I re- literally looked at Kathleen. I said, would you please gouge my eyes out right now? Just <laughs> gouge him out. I, to this day, I still have that memory in my... It's memory burn. I can't get it out. Um, so, I, listen, I, I, think, I think for most of us, this is where we struggle. And, 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 and when this thing... You know, when we're going through these times where we have to wait, whether it's finding a maid or job opportunity or how much longer do I have to suffer through this ailment? Let's be honest. It, it, it's hard sometimes to wait on the Lord. And we're in the midst of the study of David. And, and, and we, we understand that, that David was a man that was after God's own heart. We understand that the prophet Samuel, when he went to Jesse, David's father, and he was looking for the next king of Israel. Jesse prayed at all his other sons before him, and he says, no, 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 that's not the one I'm looking for. Well, he goes, I got this other son, but he's young, and he's tending sheep out, you know, with the flock. That's the one. And what, we're, what we've seen is Acts 13, the apostle Paul, looking back, shows these words of why God looked at David and Sarah, because, because David was a man that chased after God's heart. Now, what we understand studying the life of David, King David, is that he made a lot of mistakes. I mean, adultery and having a man killed and wasn't the greatest father in the world. I mean, he made all these mistakes. But, but what made David a man after God's own heart, even with all the failures in his life? And it, it really, I can boil it down to two things. David understood what it meant to forgive. And David understood what it meant to repent. And what I want to do is I want to look at this story about David's life and how he was waiting on God and waiting to go in, into, the, in, into the kingship, but he has to wait. And I think what happened in that the time of waiting, it was 15 years from the time he was anointed to actually the time that he actually became king. There were so many things that happened in his life. And I think at this point, David started to get frustrated. And I think what happens when we have to wait on God for something, we tend to get frustrated. And I think for many people, the reason maybe why they're angry or they're bitter is because they're waiting 
and they're not understanding why this thing isn't happening, what we end up doing is we end up taking it out on other people. The frustration that's in our heart and the bitterness and, the, and why isn't this going on, we, we tend to internalize it. And then it, it comes out in our life and our bitterness and we're just angry all the time and, 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 and we're not self-controlled in the way we deal with things. And, and every, it's always everybody else's fault and we blame everybody. But, it, but if we were to look at our hearts, there's something intrinsically within our heart that's not waiting on God, that's not patient, that's not waiting for God's timing. And I'm not saying that's not easy. It is hard. But David, I believe, in this point of his life, is frustrated. And what's interesting about David's life, anytime he's confronted about his waywardness, there's not one time that David didn't recognize that he was wayward from God and that he did not repent. That's what God saw in his heart. David was willing to forgive others when others weren't, uh, weren't willing to be forgiven or, or, or in our eyes would seem like we should forgive them because of the atrocities that were done against David. One of them was Saul, the present king. And so David, in this point of his life, we're going to see how he had every right to retaliate in this situation, but he listened to God and he waited. And my prayer for you is that this would speak to your heart today. That, that, that David, yes, he's been anointed as king. Yes, David slewed Goliath. He did all these great things. But yet this part of David's life, God was teaching him, you need to wait on me because in the waiting, I'm going to reveal things in your heart that will set you up for your future. That's going to set you up to be the king that I want you to be. And I want you to realize that God wants to set you up to be the person that he wants you to be, not the person you want to be. And so if we submit ourselves to God and allow ourselves to go through these situations and wait on God and listen to him, God will reveal things to your heart that will help you in your future. See, the problem is we don't want to wait because it hurts. Doesn't it hurt when you have to wait? I mean, we, the, the, you know, delayed gratification. We want everything now. And we're conditioned that way to want everything right now. But God says, listen, Barden, I'm going to allow you to wade through this desert a little bit longer because I've got to reveal some things in your heart that need to be revealed. And if you let me do that, it will set you up for your future to be the person I desire to be. But we... It's hard for us to sit back and wait for that because we want things yesterday. We want them done yesterday. So David is at the point of his life where he's hiding. It's it's a real life cat and mouse game between him and Saul, the present king. And so David's waiting and he's waiting and he's been anointed. And it's now 15 years before, before, uh, before coming king. And it's during this time that David was tested and he had to wait on God. So what I want to do is I want to look at the story of David while he is waiting before he became king. And I want to look at 1 Samuel. And I want to look at the verses the beginning. We're going to kind of go through this whole chapter of 1 Samuel 25. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, the Bibles that are in front of you are our gift to you. You can take those. and Those are our gift to you. Please keep those. Use them for your walk with, with, with God. Uh, but I'm going to look at 1 Samuel 25, verses 1 through 13. You can follow up on the screens, too. And let's see what happens here. This is a story with David, Nabal, Nabal and, and Abigail. And, and I'm, we're going to see what is revealed in David's heart and how 
David listens to wisdom and how God reveals something very specific within his heart. Let's start with verse 1. It says, now Samuel died. The prophet Samuel died, the prophet that anointed David, has now died. And all Israel assembled and mourned him, buried him at his home in Ramah. And then David moved to, to this desert, Mon. A certain man in Mon who had property there at Carmel was, a very, was very wealthy, and he had 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep. That, that's a wealthy, wealthy man right there, and he, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail, and she was intelligent and a beautiful woman, but her husband, the Calebite, was a, a surely and, and mean in his dealings, so he wasn't that great of a guy. Um, Nabal. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, go to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name and say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is a sheep shearing time. And when, and, and when your shepherds uh, were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. So basically David acted as security for these guys so no one would steal anything. So he helped them. So he's kind of expecting something back from Nabal to give them for for the help that he gave them and the protection of his shepherd and his sheep. He says, ask your own servants and they will tell you, therefore, be favorable towards these young men. Since we came at a festive time, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, and they waited. And they waited. Now here comes Nabal. He answered David's men this way. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and they went back. And when they arrived, they reported the word. And David said to this men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords. David put on his about 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. Uh-oh. Uh, David's not happy. So, so what's going on here? Well, David is hiding out in the desert. He's protecting the flock of this shrewd man named Nabal. And actually, his name means foolish or boorish. And uh, this may have been a nickname, but it fits him well. And poor Abigail is married to this, this guy. And so David sends out his, some of his men asking him to be generous because of the protection and, and not taking advantage of, of the situation that could, they could have taken of. And so Nabal completely disregards David and his men and, and basically degrades and insults David's family at the same time. And so in so many words, um, he calls David's family small and in, insignificant. Who is this guy? Who do you think you are? So David's men came back. And told them what Nabal said. And so David wasn't happy. He said uh, to his men, strap on your swords, gather 400 men, look out. And so Abigail, his wife, Nabal gets word of this and what is about to go down. And she was not foolish like her husband. So she quickly acts and intercepts David's men. 
Now, this is how smart she was. She prepared for David and his men a whole bunch of food. She's a smart woman. She got a bunch of chicken wings, <laughs> right? She was ready, man. She goes, I know. They're going to love the chicken wings I'm going to make for them. See, she was smart. And so David is in range, and he's going to kill Nabal and kill his whole family. He's, he's mad. He's going to take revenge on what this guy said. Now, she humbles herself before David, and she spoke wisely to him and shared what a travesty it would be for, for David and his future. It's amazing what she does. So I want to keep going on here. Look at verse 23 and 25, because this is what she says to David about his life. It's amazing how the wisdom that, that she gives. She says, when, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. And what does she do? She bows down before David with her face to the ground, which shows humility. She fell at his feet and said, my Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name is fool and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. And so she understands what's at stake here. She understands that this blood guilt will be on David's hand if he actually follows through with killing Nabal and his whole family. This is what I think is going on in David. I wonder if David, in his waiting, and the pressure he's under from being pursued by Saul, constantly being pursued by Saul, isn't boiling over to his situation with Nabal. David is definitely overreacting. I mean, he's going to the nth degree to take revenge on this man. And I'm wondering in the waiting and the pressure that David is under from being pursued by Saul has not caused him to do something very, very, very unwise. And it's going to cause him to do something very, very unwise. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can tend to blame others when we're going through a time of waiting and testing, and it's easy to get frustrated. God, why are you allowing me to go through this thing? And it's easy to cast our frustrations on others. And here's what Abigail does. She's so wise. And look at her words that she says to him. Follow, follow me. Let's continue to read down here to verse 26 through 31. Look at what she says here. She goes, Now since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed, and, and avenging yourself with your own hands, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm you, my master, be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my master, be given, given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offense. Please forgive your servant's offense. For the Lord will certainly make, listen to this, I love this. Uh, may the Lord, given to the men to follow you, please forgive your servant's offense. For the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty, dynasty for my master because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. Uh-oh, Abigail puts the finger on it. The life of my master will be bound securely 
in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will be hurled away as far as the pocket of a sling. And when the Lord has done for my master everything, every good thing he promised concerning him and his, and his appointed him leader over Israel, she recognized that God has appointed him over Israel. My master will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed of having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master's success, remember your servant. Whoa. So what Abigail is doing here, she's reminding David of his future. She's reminding David that the Lord has anointed you to be the king over Israel. Is this the way a king should act? Is this the way the anointed of the Lord should act? She has a cool head and she rightly deciphers the situation. And so she starts telling him, you need to be a king of mercy, not of revenge. Because if you started here, it's going to go into your future. The choices we make today, the things we say today, the things we do today, do affect affect what we do in the future if we're not careful. And so she's reminding David, this one act, and I know my husband is a fool, I know he's a fool and I know you could take revenge and you could probably get away with it and everybody's following you, but I want you to think about your future. I want you to think about the consequences here. Don't be like Saul. And then she reminds David, think about your future. Think about the plans the Lord has for you. And she reminds David of the promise that God has for him. She reminds him of what he's called to do. God has anointed him to be a leader. God will give him a lasting dynasty. She reminds him of the Lord's protection for him as he puts his trust in God. And so David has a choice here. He can enter the kingship with blood on his hands and not wait on God. And he can take justice into his own hand. But the problem is he will be a king but not God's way. Not the kind of heart that God desires for a king. And how many of you would you say, I want God's blessing on my life? We do. All of us would want. I mean, let's be honest. We want God's blessing on our life, right? But we have to do it God's way. And for David, it's so much more. Yes, he could have killed Nabal, uh, still become king, justified his actions by Nabal's response to him, but he would do it without God's blessing. Let me just say this. There is no provocation that deserves an unchristian response. What do I mean by, what do I mean by, by provocation? That's, that's when someone is angry with you. That is when someone's speech towards you Um, is to annoy you. But as a follower of God, there is no provocation that that I should respond in an unchristian way. Amen? Listen, they might deserve it, but I've got to catch my heart because I've got to worry, God, what have you done in my heart? And I've got to worry about my future with you. 
And I want your blessing on my life. I don't want this bitterness and this hatred to rule my life. I can't control the other person, but I can control what I do and how I live by obedience towards the Lord. So God has a purpose and a reason why we should obey him. And he's keeping us from literal harm in our future. And what I've discovered is is something very simple, that God's way is the best way. No, No matter... No matter what the world may say or how our culture might change, God's way is the best way. It's me lining up in God's way is is the difficult part. And I believe with all my heart that God does desire for us to know him and to love him and to experience his joy and his freedom in our lives. But it's hard for us to wait. And in the waiting, we can get ahead of God and forget about his benefits. Don't rob yourself of the benefits that God desires to give you in the future by acting in your flesh, by getting ahead of God. Wait on God because he is going to reveal something in your heart. And this is what you have to tell yourself. Even when someone comes against you, even if it's wrong and it's, it's, it's completely out of line, there is something that God will do in your heart in the way you respond to that. Amen? Because what I want to do is I want to justify my actions by what the other person does. And by me, if I'm doing it in an unchristian way or a way that's not glorifying God, I'm going to justify it because of the other person. And God says, no, no, no. That's not the way you're acting because I don't want you to be robbed of your future and the way you respond to that. I don't want you to tarnish your witness of me and your life. Now, do we make mistakes? Do we get frustrated? Everybody's sad. Amen. But look at what David does in response to this. This is what I love because we're all here. We all want to, we all want to, in the waiting and we're frustrated and, and, and we can get mad at other people. I want you to see what David does here because it, it's, it's amazing what he does. So I, I want you to realize this. Just, just understand this. Because we all want the easy road. But the easy road is usually the road marked with the most potholes. Just remember that. As you say, well, I'm going to take this easy road. I want to take this shortcut. That's the one that has the most potholes. I, it was, I had a vivid illustration of this this winter. I don't know if any of you know, there's a, there's a cut road in between Lowe's and BJ's and Webster. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You all know. So you don't have to go out on 104. You don't have to go back to Rejoice. You can cut through this road. And uh, it, this winter, it, got, it was like driving on the face of the moon. There was so many potholes in there. And you have to drive around it. And, I was, and people fly through there. So I'm in there. And I know of the potholes. So I, I try to drive around. And there was someone in front of me that didn't know the potholes were coming up. It was closer towards BJ's. They were coming from Lowe's to BJ's. And they were flying through there. And I'm like, uh-oh. They're going to hit the potholes. They're going to, I mean, these are craters. They're not just potholes. They're crat- and they hit it, and their car was, I thought they were going to go into the woods. And they got control of their car, and they came back. And I know that they're going to need new struts, and they're going to need new everything after hitting it. Hitting it. They've since fixed it. But see, here's the thing I want you to realize. We're thinking, I want to take this easier. I want to take, I just want to get my feet. I'm just going to be angry, and I'm going to just let them have it. And I'm just going to, and, and that's the easy road. That's the easy road. But it's going to be marked with a lot of potholes. 
It's going to be marked with a lot of potholes. So what Abigail does is she causes David to stop and think and listen to God's word. She causes him to pause just to put your life on pause for a second. And I think many of us, what we need to do is when we're in that situation, when we're frustrated, when we're waiting, when we feel like just lashing out, we just, I wish we all had just a pause button in our life, just a little remote that we could just press pause for just a moment because we want to hit the fast forward button, right? We just want to hit that thing and just move through it and just blow through everyone like a bulldozer. But I want you to stop and ask yourself in those times, is this what God wants for me? And I believe for David, he stopped for a second. He paused his life and he began to think, is this what God wants for me? Here's a little side note. Listen, when you're responding to someone, maybe it's in an email, maybe it's a little controversial, whatever it is. I always tell people, wait 24 hours. You know, if you're angry with somebody and you want to get that email out right away, your emotions are going to take over. And I guarantee what you write at that moment is probably you're going to regret it later. Right. So so taking time to put your life on pause, to pray about it, to allow God to deal with your heart and just wait 24 hours is sometimes a good a good thing. Or let someone else read it and give their honest opinion of it and say, man, that is woo. I guess you really won't tell that person how you feel, right? Okay, so just, you know, because it's our emotions and we have raw emotions and we've been hurt and that's where we have to filter it through the Lord. And so what Abigail does is she helps David to filter these, his feelings and his anger through the Lord and what the Lord has for him. Can you see the contrasting characteristics between Nabal and David? Nabal is this proud conceit. He's proud and conceited because he's wealthy. Why do I have to listen to you? I'm wealthy. I have all this money. He's proud. He's conceited. And he's kind of acting like a king. But he's really a fool. He's a king who thinks he's a king acting like a fool. But then you've got David on the other hand who's acting like a, like a fool when he should be acting like a king. See, in the waiting, when we get angry and we get frustrated, we've got to ask ourselves, am I acting like a fool Or am I acting like a child of God here? Amen? Okay, just stop, pause button, ask yourself that question. Am I I acting like a fool? Or am I acting like a child of God? And and, and that's the the contrasting characteristic you see between Nabal and David. So, So what David does is he changes his mind. And he actually thanks God for her. This is why David is a man that chased after the heart of God. Let's look at verse 32, chapter 25. Here's what he says in these two verses, 30, or a couple of verses here, 32 through 34. Then David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment for keeping me from bloodshed. From this, from this day, and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, no one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. 
Woo. David changes his mind. What David does here, David has a change of mind and he listens to godly wisdom and it literally saves him. There's this repentance of wrong thinking here. And so I want you to notice two things here. A couple things here about grace and mercy because what, what, what she is expressing to David is remember that the God of Israel is looking for a king of of mercy. See, grace is getting what you don't deserve. So Nabal didn't d- deserve this grace at all, but, but, but David's going to show him grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So that's the heart. That's the heart of David. He shows grace and he shows mercy. Now, here's the thing that's interesting at the end of the story. You want, to, you want to call it vindication, putting in the Lord's hand, whatever you want to call it. But here's what happens at the end of the story. Abigail went home. She find, finds that um, Nabal, her husband, is drunk as a skunk. And so she waits till he sobers up. And when she told him the meeting she had and what was going to happen to him, he ends up having a heart attack. And a couple of days later, he ends up dying. So there's your call it vindication or whatever. That's what happens. And then David will end up uh, marrying uh, Abigail. And so what David does is he shows mercy when Nabal doesn't deserve it. So, so here's a question we need to ask ourselves. What can we learn from our time of waiting? What can we learn from our time of waiting? Understand this, that waiting is the testing ground for our maturity. That's in the waiting is where we mature in the Lord. So as you're waiting for whatever things in your life, don't, don't resort to something that's unchristian or bitterness or anger because that may be the source of because you're waiting. You're like, why isn't this thing? Why isn't it happening? Why isn't it happening? Just remember, it's in this waiting that God's trying to do something in your heart and in your life. You got to keep reminding yourself that. God, I, I know you're still there. I'm going to depend on your promises because your promises say you'll never leave me or forsake me, that nothing can separate me from your love. I know that's true. I'm going to keep telling that to myself. I'm going to keep telling that to myself. In the waiting, I know that you are good. The situation is difficult. What people may say against me aren't good, but you are good. And it's through those situations that the greatest growth in my life occurs. Now, all of you can say that during the hardships of your life, all of us can say that's the time I grew the most. That's the time where I just leaned on the Lord and he showed me so many things through his scripture. When you're going through a difficult time, doesn't the word of God sometimes just come alive to you? Or you may be singing a song on Sunday morning through worship and that song is just speaking to your heart because you're going through something in your life that God's allowing you to go through. And he's maturing you through that. See, it's in those times of waiting that we learn to trust God and his will. So this is our hope. This is our ultimate hope that we have Christ to turn to, to give us strength to wait. And just understand that we are limited, but God is limitless. We are limited, but God is limitless. Everything about me is limited. My strength, my emotions, my patience, my patience. My patience, right? I'm so limited by those things. But God is limitless. Jesus waited on God 
He endured for us. He suffered for us. We can go to him. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 4, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness because we're all weak. But one who in, in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let me just share, as I just wrap this up and we take communion together, let me just share a couple of verses with you. These aren't in your notes, but if you want to write them down. One is in Hebrews chapter 12. And I, I want, here's the thing I love about Jesus and the example that he gives to us. He never outran the will of his father. He endured suffering for you and I that we might experience the greatest joy of God's forgiveness and being reconciled back to God. And and the Hebrew writer captures this so well when he talks about Jesus. He says in Hebrews chapter 12 too, you can write it down, it's not on the screen, but just listen to me, Just, just listen to it. He said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him and even endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as sons. And this is what the Hebrew writer says in verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as a son. For what son is not disciplined by his father? See, what God desires for you is through this time of discipline. Waiting is discipline, isn't it? It is. And I want you to realize that he loves you. It's not that God has forsaken you. He's a perfect father in every way. And I know some of you did not have good earthly fathers. They disciplined you in the wrong way. They were heavy-handed. But whatever the case may be, some of you may have had good earthly fathers. But he's a perfect heavenly father who allows us to go through these things, not because he hates us, it's because he loves us, because he wants us to grow. He wants those things to change us and transform us into the person that he desires us to be. And let me just finish with this, because I love how Paul expresses what our lives should look like when we're truly walking with God's blessings on our, uh, on our lives. This is what happens when you wait and you don't get ahead of God and you don't allow your, your anger and your bitterness to control your life and the way you live it and the way you treat other people. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And, and I love how he, 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 he gives us the specific characteristics of what this looks like. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but it's, this listen, it's not your notes, but just listen. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 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 pardon, patience, pardon, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against this thing, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature 
with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I love how he finishes the chapter. Paul hits it right on the head here. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The way we do that is through the Spirit of Christ. I can't do it in my power. But through Christ and looking to his example and allowing him to work through me, I turn those situations around and I shine the spotlight on the heart of Barden Gerais. And I got to keep filtering my life through Jesus. Because life stinks at times. People are mean at times. People are cruel at times. And if I'm not filtering my life through Jesus, I just become a bitter, bitter person. And God's heart for you is not to be that bitter person. God loved David so much that he sent Abigail to intersect his life. And David, the reason why he chased after God's heart is because he understood forgiveness and he understood how to repent. If I can apply those things to my life and allow God to deal with my heart, bitterness and anger will not be the chain that ties me, that ties me down. Jesus Christ sets us free from those things. So maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, Pastor Barn, I'm, I'm in this waiting place. I have to admit, I am, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm burned out, whatever, whatever the thing may be in your life. And you're, and you're noticing that the wick of your patience is getting smaller and smaller, you know, smaller and smaller and smaller. I wasn't like this a year ago or two years ago. And maybe you're going through a time of waiting and you notice that it's overtaking you just like David. Here's, here's what I would say to you. Here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. Ask yourself, what thing in my life am I struggling to wait on God for? What what is it? And then I want you to ask Christ for patience, endurance, and strength not to lose hope. That's where you got to keep going back to Christ and saying, Christ, I've got to filter this through you because I don't want to lose hope here because I'm losing hope. Allow Christ and his example before you that he endured for you, that he suffered for you, that you have an advocate that you can run to, that that sympathizes with your weakness in every way. Yet Jesus was without sin, and you can find hope and mercy in your time of need. I would tell you this, you run to Christ. If I didn't have Jesus in my life, I'd be a train wreck. I would just go by my emotions. I would just go by my feelings. I would burn so many bridges if it wasn't for Jesus, right? Because it's just too easy to, to allow my emotions to take over. Allow Christ to take over those things and you give those things to him. You humble yourself before him. And that's where the healing, that's where the blessings come. And I'm not saying it's easy, but those are the blessings because God cares about your future. He cares about where you're going in him and he wants you to mature in him. And I would listen, listen, I wish Christianity was lollipops and candy canes and potpourri and everything was beautiful and nice and comfy cozy and the church was a perfect place and we never upset each other. Listen, that's not reality. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Right? We're going to hurt each other. We're going to say wrong things. But here's the thing. Are we willing to forgive each other? Are we willing not to be conceited like Paul said? Are we 
not to provoke each other? Are we willing to walk in love? Love covers a multitude of sins. May we allow God to change our hearts. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close uh, the service in communion today. And let me just say communion's open to all of you. You don't have to be a member of our church. But if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm a follower of Jesus. Let me just say, we're going to pray. And the word of God says, anyone who calls out to the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Christ can take your heart and your life today at your seat. You pray and you just say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. By all means, you can take communion. If you don't take communion, that's fine. Uh, uh, We want you to honor the Lord. And we want to take this time seriously that we're recognizing the body and the blood of Jesus and that the emblems symbolize what Jesus did for us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and I to reconcile us back to God. So as you take this, this is what, I'm, this is what I want you to do today. Let's not, let's not be in a rush. All right? One service, right? There's no second service coming after this. Let's not be in a rush. Still going to be a beautiful day out there. I, I guarantee you it's going to be nice out there. Okay? But here's what I want you to do. The worship team is going to lead us in worship. But here's what I want you to do today. As you take the emblems, if there's something in your heart and your life that you're waiting on God for and you're frustrated, I want you to lay that thing at his feet. If there's something that you need to confess to the Lord and repent of, say, God, I need to make this right, do that. Paul tells us that we should examine our hearts. Don't take this lightly. Jesus has the power to change your heart and your life. So just don't do this. If you're doing it out of a religious activity, it's going to be meaningless. But if you're doing it because you really mean business with God, he's going to do something good in your heart. Can we mean business with God this morning? Let's be honest before him with our faults and ask him to reconcile us. And if, 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 if you've done that, then by all means, let's in freedom take communion and express God's forgiveness in our heart and life before we take it. So you can do that at your seat and just express that to him. Amen. So Lord Jesus, we come before you now and I thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray today that we would examine our hearts before we take the elements. Jesus, you did this and you even said to your disciples, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Paul expressing this to the, to the church in Corinth, wanted to make sure that they were doing it correctly to examine their hearts. And so, Lord, that's what we ask for you to do right now before we take communion. We see the seriousness of this moment, the sacredness of this moment of what you did for us. And so we confess our shortcomings before you and we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us when we've jumped ahead of you, when we're impatient, when people have hurt us, when they've bruised us deeply and when we've bruised other people deeply. Forgive us, God. And help us to live our lives through the power of Jesus' name. Change our hearts to one of maybe bitterness and anger. To one that is enveloped by Christ that walks in love and forgiveness. Thank you for the example that we see in David's life. That he heeded your word and your promise and the blessings that come with it. Lord, I pray for healing and brokenness in relationships. Through the power of your name. But may it start with our hearts first, God. And so if we're in the waiting and we're frustrated, we give that to you now. And we ask that you would show us and that you would help us to grow in you as we trust you through the valleys and through the deserts, knowing that you still love us and you're not going to leave us. So we give this to you before we take communion today. We want our hearts to be examined before you. So we give those to you. Thank you that you do receive us. 
thank you that you do forgive us. Thank you that when we fall on before you and, and, and bend our knee, bend our hearts before you, your grace and your mercy is applied to our hearts and our lives. So thank you for the forgiveness that comes through you, Jesus. In your precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.